Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Happy month of Adar. If you're familiar with that song that you just heard, you know that it is one of the most festive songs that uh, we sing right around this time of year. The words are Misha Nichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. Misha Nichnas Adar, when the month of Adar comes in, Marbim Besimcha, it's time to increase our joy. The month of Adar is meant to be a joyous month. It is the month that contains Purim. And this year, it's unusual. It's an unusual year. I guess you would say that it's unusual because it is a Jewish leap year, which means that there is a double month of Adar. So actually, it's not going to be Purim for another six weeks or so, but because we're now in the first of two months of Adar. Uh, but nevertheless, it still is supposed to be joyous and it is still supposed to be festive. If you're not familiar with the Jewish calendar, let me clarify that. Whereas in the January, February, March, April, May, June, you, we never, we're never adding in an extra month. A leap year just means another day. But in the lunar calendar that uh, the Jewish calendar goes by, we add in another month. Uh, I believe that it's about seven times every 19 years. And the reason is that the lunar calendar is shorter than the solar calendar. And because of that, if we were to stick strictly to the lunar calendar, the seasons would be off and we'd start having Pesach, Passover in the middle of the winter and everything would be thrown off. So because our holidays are very much connected to the seasons, Pesach is always supposed to be in the spring. Shavuot is the harvest festival. Sukkot is is supposed to be in the fall. So because of that, we need to adjust the calendar that we can, the lunar calendar could sort of catch up with the solar calendar. So um, every few years we'll have this leap year where we'll have a whole extra month. So the holiday of Purim is going to be in the second Adar, Adar Sheni, but all of the energy and all of the joy and all the power of the month of Adar already begins now and only increases, increases, increases. I guess that means that this year there's an extra, it's an extra festive year because we have more Adar, more reason to, more time to rejoice, more time to increase our joy. And if we know how to do that, which is going to be a, a, a subject that we're going to cover really well over the next couple of weeks, if, you, we, if we have the proper tools to increase our joy, certainly, certainly, certainly we can come into Purim this year just on a totally, totally different plane, a totally different level. So it's really, really exciting. This, of course, is part of our monthly series called The Energy of the Jewish Months, where we go deep and we explore all of the great potential. Every single month is auspicious for its own way of connecting to ourselves, connecting to God, connecting to others. And every single month, we want to explore 
the energy of the month. We take a look at the name of the month. We take a look at the zodiac sign of the month. We take a look of the tr- at the tribe of the month. Every single month corresponds to one of the 12 tribes. We take a look at whatever holidays are going to be in that month, events that will happen, etc., etc., to really come out with a clear picture as to what we should be working on. And we're going to do just that today. Thank you so much for joining. And without any further ado, let's get into the energy of the month of Adar. This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. Okay, so Jewish tradition teaches us that all of the months correspond to one of the four elements. We know uh, in ancient tradition, um, the all of matter is made up of earth, water, wind, and fire. When we're speaking Kabbalistically, we know that even spirituality, there's different energies that are connected to the element of earth and water and wind and fire. And all of the months have their element that they're connected to. So there's 12 months, so that means it goes through the cycle three different times. There's going to be three months uh, of three months a year per element, but every single month has its element that it is connected to. So I want to open up and speak a little bit about the element of the month of Adar, because as you know, I'm a big fan of the elements. In fact, I uh, published a book on it last year called The Four Elements of an Empowered Life. So... The element of the month of Adar is water. So Adar is a water month. And I want to stay on that for a moment because as we, uh, because as you know, I, I like to look at all of the different aspects of the month. And over here we see in all of the different places that we're going to look some sort of connection to water. So definitely water is going to be one of the keys to help us understand the energy of the month of Adar. So aside from Adar being a water month, but the zodiac sign for the month of Adar is actually Pisces. Now, what is Pisces? If you're familiar with how it looks, it's the it's a fish sign, um, not just one fish, but actually two fish swimming in different directions. But fish, obviously, is also connected to uh, water and the water element. So we see here one connect one additional connection to water. What tribe is connected to the month of Adar? The Jewish mystics teach us that Adar corresponds to the tribe of Naphtali. One of the uh, 12 sons of Yaakov was Naphtali. And uh, he is connected to the month of Adar. Now, Naphtali also has a very interesting connection to water. We know that there are four holy cities in Israel. Uh, Each one corresponds to one of the elements. Hebron is earth. Jerusalem is fire. Um, Tzfat, the mystical city of Tzfat, is wind. And then the city of Tiberias, the city of Tveria, is connected to water because it's in Tveria that we have the Kinneret, one of the, the largest bodies of water in Israel, the Kinneret. So that whole area was in the portion in Israel that was given to Naphtali. 
So Naphtali has this connection to the Kinneret, once again showing this connection between Naphtali and water. Not only that, but we know that when Jacob, when Yaakov, when he blessed his children at the end of his life, many of his blessings where he sort of gave over to each one of his sons a little bit about their mission, um, it's it, it, a lot of prophecy there. You know, everything is, is is encoded in his language, a lot about the future of what the tribe would be. And as he goes through the blessings, he uses a lot of animal imagery, sort of comparing a lot of his different sons to kind of like their spirit animal, you know, if you will, to borrow the term. And when he gets to Naphtali, he refers to Naphtali as a deer, as a, a hind. And we know that in Tehillim, in Psalms, there is a very, very famous, a very beautiful line in Psalms that says, Like a hind, like a deer that cries out for water, My soul cries out for you, God. So King David views a, a person crying out to Hashem as a hind that's crying out for water, weaving together this whole idea that prayer is like water and, 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 and tying it into a, a, a deer, a deer yearning for water. So we see Naphtali, we see once again this imagery, Naphtali, who has the, the kineret, the, 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 the Sea of Galilee. He's got the Sea of Galilee, the Kinneret, in his portion, as well as the symbolism of a deer crying out for water. We see once again a connection of Naphtali to water. Let's move on. We know that Purim is in the month of Adar. And uh, the heroes of the story of Purim are, of course, Mordechai and Esther. Well, there's something very unusual that Esther herself in the Midrash, in rabbinic language, Esther is also compared to a deer. In fact, we have another chapter in Tehillim, we have another chapter in Psalms that begins, a reference to the song that's being sung by the Ayelet HaShachar, which is translated also as the deer of the morning, the hind of the morning. And that that verse in Psalm, that chapter in Psalms is attributed, believe it or not, to Esther. According to rabbinic literature, that, that Psalm was actually written by Esther as she was about to enter into the throne room of King Ahasuerus to try to nullify a whole series of events, to try to nullify his decree against the Jewish people in the Purim story, and Esther composes this psalm that begins, So once again, a connection between Esther and Naphtali, and both of them connected to water. Finally, we know that there is a very significant biblical event that happened in the month of Adar, and that was the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, was born in the month of Adar and also passed away in the month of Adar. In fact, in the Purim story, one of the reasons that Haman chose to, he chose the month of Adar specifically as the month that would be auspicious to annihilate the Jewish people is because he saw the month of Adar as being inauspicious because that is when 
uh, Moshe died during that month, and he was unaware that Moshe was also born in that month, and therefore there was a lot, it was a very auspicious month. But Moshe himself, the very name Moses, Moshe, where does it come from? If we look in the Torah, it, Moshe comes f- from the fact that he was saved as a baby his, after he was born in order to hide Moshe that he shouldn't be killed by the Egyptians. His mother put him in a basket and placed him inside of water. And he was saved that way. When the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river, she saw Moshe and drew him out of the water and called him Moshe, because he was drawn out of water. So the name Moshe means to be drawn out. Drawn out of what? To be drawn out of water. So we see a very, very strong connection. All the different ways that we look at Adar. It's a water month. The sign Pisces is connected to water. The tribe Naphtali is connected to water. Esther, through her connection to Naphtali, is also connected to water. And of course, the name Moshe itself is also connected to water. So it's certainly a wonderful opportunity for us to try to understand a little bit about the element of water and use that to try to tie it into what the month of Adar is all about. I want to read for you now two paragraphs from my book, The Four Elements of an Empowered Life. This is the part of the book that I speak about the element of water. And uh, I think that it'll be a great gateway for us to really discuss the month of Adar and its connection to water. It's also really fun for me to read from the book. You know, I, I, I didn't, I never did like an audio version of the book. So it's kind of fun to read a little bit and share it with you. If you have the book, it will sound familiar. And if you don't have it, it will inspire you to pick up a copy. Water is the element that corresponds to emotions and desires. At this level, we begin to see beyond just survival, which, by the way, that's the earth element is just about survival. But at the level of of water, so we begin to see beyond just survival, but look for ways to gain pleasure from this journey that we are on. It is here that we begin to experience sophisticated emotions such as love and fear and hope, as well as lusts and cravings. Human interactions become less transactional, less self-centered, and more about companionship for emotional reasons. The movement and life-giving power of water is symbolic of the pleasure and emotion that is found at this level. Just as water can be wild and rushing, our emotions can sometimes overwhelm us. However, when we are experiencing healthy emotions, they are like calm waters. The same is true with our desire for pleasure. Sometimes our cravings are raging and intense like the crashing waves, and sometimes they're very subtle, like a lake. Okay, so we see over here, that's it. That's, those are the two paragraphs from my book, and we see this idea that water is the, emo- is the realm of emotions. And on the one hand, and we speak about this more a little bit later on in the book, on the one hand, it's, it's, it's the negative aspect of the water element that brings us into uh, forbidden pleasures, Uh, forbidden lusts, but it's also from the water element that all of the beautiful emotions that we have are born, all of the the sweet aspects of desire, of, of, of that type of passion. And our our desire for connection, all of that is born in the realm of water. So one of the things that we're certainly going to see about the month of Adar is that Adar is going to be very much connected. It's going to be an emotional month. It's going to be a month where we're going to go deep into our emotions and try to sort out our emotions in a very, very unique way. 
So when we say that Misha Nichnas Adar, when the month of Adar comes in, Marbim Besimcha, it's a time of joy. So obviously we know that joy is an emotion. But the joy of Adar is a very unique type of joy. It's a very unique type of, of happiness. And as I said in the introduction, we're going to have a couple of podcasts coming up and some great guests to really speak about joy and laughter and, and, and happiness. So we're not going to get into too much of it now. There's also some other podcasts that we've recorded in, in past years in the month of Adar about happiness and joy. And, and I'm going to link those in the show notes um, down below. So we're not going to speak right now necessarily about happiness, but what I want to focus on right now is overall the, the, the month of Adar and how it's a time to go deep and really, really look into our inner world and ask ourselves this question of like, how are you feeling? Because we can't even start talking about joy and happiness if we don't really know like where our emotional temperature is, you know, we can talk about singing and dancing and doing all sorts of things, but it's just going to be an outer show if we don't know how we're doing on the inside. And it's an important question that often we don't ask ourselves that question enough. How are you feeling? How are you feeling today? And there's a whole book, um, I don't remember who the author is. There's a book called Permission to Feel. Check it out. And uh, it's by a professor who studies emotions. And he speaks about how even the English language doesn't have sufficient words to describe the whole range of our emotions because we're not always really fully in tune as to how we're really feeling. So, you know, we might think, okay, being happy is a good thing. So let me just, you know, plaster a smile on my face. But if I don't really know, if I'm not really spending time reflecting and thinking about like, what's my emotional temperature? Uh, what, what, what are the dominant emotions that I'm feeling today, this week, this month? Then we're not really going to be in tune, in tune to, to how to, how to really access our, our inner world. So Adar is not just a month of happiness, happiness, happiness without any plan how to get there. When we say Mishinichnas Adar Marbin Besimcha, we're not just saying, okay, you know, throw every throw all caution to the wind and just be happy. It's a water month, it's a water element month. It's a month of getting real, getting really deeply in tune with our emotions, asking ourselves, how are we doing? How are we feeling? What are we feeling? And then from there, from that place of, of inner awareness, from that place, finding what joy looks like for me in this space that I find myself in right now. And now, if we take a look back at the symbol of Adar, we see something that's really Interesting. Adar, the, we said the zodiac sign of Adar is Pisces, and Pisces is fish. But it isn't one fish. It is two fish swimming in different directions. Why are they swimming in different directions? Typically, you find fish swimming in the same direction. But over here, the two fish of the month of Adar represent our emotions. And they represent the paradox of our emotions. They represent the fact that we have a whole range of emotions and they go back and forth and we could go from being sad to being happy 
We can go, we can, we experience a whole range of emotions that we really need to learn about and, and, and we need to discover. And if you imagine one fish being pain and the other fish being pleasure, and we see the fish going in two directions, why? Because we know that the pleasure that we feel, it's always congruent to the amount of pain. Right? People that feel more pain in their life also have the potential to feel more pleasure where we expand in our emotions. But when we expand, we expand in both directions. You know, we, we often look at lust as, as like a bad thing. You know, we don't want to feel lustful. But we know that if we didn't have lust, then we wouldn't have anything to channel to channel into our loving relationships, right? It, it, lust is, is also a key. It's, it's, it's an energy that we channel into relationships in their proper place. And it brings out a whole be- a beautiful aspect of the relationship. Right? It, 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 it infuses our relationship with pleasure and with excitement. So it's a beautiful thing when channeled the right way. But again, the fish are swimming in two different directions. On the one hand, it can pull us into a very dark place that we don't want to be. But it can also bring us to this beautiful place. So we want to access that. We want to become aware. We want to lean into it and ask ourselves, okay, I have this power inside of me. What is it meant to be used for? How do I channel it the right way? In our spirituality, we know that the more that we feel distant from Hashem, that from God, that makes the times that we are close to Hashem so much more meaningful. If we didn't feel distant from God, if we were just parav, if we were just neutral, if we're like, okay, you know what, another day, another day, another day of, of you know, praying, another day of studying Torah, of doing mitzvot, it wouldn't make those deep moments so beautiful. It's because sometimes we feel far that we're able to find a tremendous closeness at other times and it becomes so much sweeter, like the whole dance that we find in the book of Song of Songs, Shirashirim, where we have this as being a metaphor for these two lovers, this man and a woman who are chasing each other and have such a, such a difficult time finding each other and getting on the same page. And then in those couple of moments that they do, they're so close and so passionate. And that's the relationship between us and God. But it takes that distance to really appreciate that closeness. So when we take a look at Pisces, when we take a look at these two fish swimming in different directions, that's an invitation to us to lean in and look at our emotions and look at the whole range of our emotions and see how it takes us here and how it takes us there and how that creates this beautiful inner emotional world that we have. We mentioned earlier that the month of Adar corresponds with the tribe of Naphtali. Let's analyze this name Naphtali for a moment. Because it's a really special name, but it's also an unusual name. When Rachel gives her son the name Naphtali, so the commentaries, they try to kind of unpack the name where it comes from. And in the commentaries, they point out that the root of the name Naphtali is the word psil. Psil is a thread, something that ties, that binds two things together. And therefore, in the translations, when, when Rachel is giving the name Naphtali, she, she makes, she declares, she says, the reason that I'm giving this name Naphtali is because Naphtule Elokim Niftalti Imachosi. I became bound, I became twisted, I became woven together with my sister. Rachel saw that the birth of Naphtali was somehow going to bind her together, bring her closer to her sister Leah. 
So she gave this name, Naphtali. I now became bound together like a psil woven, twisted together with, with, with my sister. Right? The commentaries say that when you twist a thread, a psil together, you're twisting two things together. That is the language of psil, the binding of two things together because they're being twisted together. And that also feeds into the same idea that we're trying to bring out about our emotions. That we could say, I only want pleasure. I only want joy. I only want happiness. I only want the good times. I don't want the bad times. I don't want the sadness. I don't want the pain. Uh Uh-uh. That's not the way emotions work. We can only experience the greatness of the beautiful emotions that we want if we're also ready to absorb the challenges, the difficult emotions. Naftule, Naftali, they're twisted together. They're one and the same. My sadness and my joy, I have to, we have to marry those two together. And even though it's difficult, but in a sense, right, even though it's hard when it's coming, but to say, you know what, this is also part of it, and I don't want to reject it. I want to accept everything, everything in my world, everything in my life. I don't want to reject any any one part of me. You know, the name Naftali has the very same uh, letters as the word tefillin. It's also, by the way, the same as the root tefillah, which means prayer. Tefillin, the phylacteries that we bind as the mitzvah. The tefillin are leather straps that are connected to boxes with parchment inside of it that say the Shema. And during prayer, a man binds it. He wraps these straps, these phylacteries on his head and on his arm. And it's a way of saying, like, I'm binding God to me. I'm, I'm attaching myself to God. But there's something deeply emotional about tefillin. If I can just share a story with you, something personal that happened to me. It was I was probably in my 20s, and I was just going through a very, very difficult uh, time for, for no reason other than we all go through downs. And I wasn't feeling like I was I was really making the most of myself spiritually. I felt disconnected. I felt distant. I felt uninspired. And I remember one day. When I was about to go pray, just stopping for a moment and holding my tefillin there and looking at them and thinking about what they meant. And as I'm putting them on, I'm stopping and I'm thinking, you know what? In my mind, in my heart, I can't get to that place of feeling close to you, Hashem. But I'm binding this. I'm putting this mitzvah. I'm attaching it. I'm tying it on me and I'm tying it tight. I pulled it extra tight. Think about it. Cut off some circulation that day, right? But I'm I'm putting it on extra tight just because I want to feel you. I want to feel you today. And I realized then that there's something so special about this mitzvah because it's so close, because we can sort of bind it on ourselves. So Naftali, again, connected to tefillah, prayer, connected to tefillin, but the whole idea of tying these two things, merging these two worlds. That's the theme of Naftali. The next thing we said is that Adar is the time of Purim. Purim is very, very interesting because, again, with all the joy of Purim, we know that the Purim story was, for the most part, a very sad, it was, it, it was a terrible story at first until it came to the happy salvation at the end. But there's one line that we have from our sages that is extremely unusual. When speaking about the mitzvah to be festive on Purim, we know there's an old tradition, a person should drink a little bit of wine. Because when we drink wine, we lose a little bit of our inhibitions, we could really feel joy. But our rabbis teach us something very interesting, and that is that we should drink wine to a level we become so inebriated 
that we can't tell the difference between the line that we say, Baruch Mordechai, Mordechai was the hero of the story, should be blessed. Aror Haman, Haman, the villain of the story, should be cursed. And the rabbis say a very bizarre language that you should drink to a point that you don't know the difference between the blessing of Mordechai and the cursing of Haman. What do they mean by that? How, how plastered would a person have to get to, 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 uh, for them to be so confused that they forget that very basic fundamental? And why would the rabbi say, right, Haman is the villain of the story? Why would we want to get to a place of inebriation that we, don't, that we forget who the bad guy is? And we forget who the good guy is? What does that mean? But over here, in this context, we actually see that, no, there's something beautiful that's being told to us hidden in the words of these rabbis. They're not just telling us a level of intoxication, right? You know, that's that the, the rabbis aren't, uh, are, aren't getting down to, you know, how many, how many uh, cups of wine we have to drink. They're telling us a deep fundamental truth. They're telling us that we need to really dig down so deep into our emotions that we could embrace everything that's inside of us. Like we said, the good stuff and the bad stuff, the stuff that we like and the stuff that we don't like to realize that it's all there. It's all there to build us. It's all there to create this fabulous, fabulous inner world. Without Haman, there is no Mordechai. Without the cursing of Haman, without the frustration that we go through those terrible things, and again, they are terrible. We're not supposed to. We're, we're not trying to, to make light of those things. They are terrible, and 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 while we're going through them, we want nothing more than to get out of them. But as we look at our life at a high level, to see our life in that way, that everything, everything is building, everything is building us. It's building up our inner world. So Purim once again feeds into the same idea that we're trying to experience the full, full range of our emotions. We mentioned also the connection between the month of Adar and Moshe, that Moshe was born in this month and Moshe died in this month. And Moshe also, we see that Moshe, who is going to become known as, as, as the greatest Jewish leader to ever live. But remember, where did Moshe grow up? Moshe grew up in the palace of Pharaoh. He grew up in the darkest place, in the darkest country in Egypt while the Jewish people are going through slavery. And here he grew up in the place that was the capital of all impurity and immorality. And yet it's from there, it's from that dark place that Moshe emerges. Moshe, whose name, as we said earlier, is Minamayim Ishisiu. He's being drawn from the water. Moshe represents that emotion. He represents the emotional realm. And where is Moshe, the great leader? Where is, he, where is he raised? He's raised in this very dark place. And from there, it emerges the great, his holiness, his greatness, Moshe. So we see these many examples of, of how Adar is a water month, but how all of these, these examples of the zodiac sign and the tribe and everything, it's all pointing to what I believe is one central message of the month. It's going to be a month of simcha. We're going to use this as a time to find joy. But what is that first step to joy? The first step to joy is looking inwards and asking, how are you feeling? What are your emotions? Write them down, the good and the bad. And embrace the whole thing and realize that it's only because we experience the quote-unquote bad emotions, the ones that we don't like, 
It's only through those that those positive emotions are going to be born. The month of Adar, the joy of the month of Adar is, go, is, is, is going to emerge because we're looking back at the last couple of months. We just went through a difficult winter. We spoke in the last many months about the darkness of, of Mara, the bitterness of Cheshvan, and, and the darkness of Kislev, and the struggle that happens within the month of Teves. And slowly in the month of Shvat, we began to see a glimmer of hope. And now the month of Adar, which is now we're reaching out towards redemption, we're reaching out to salvation. We're going to be celebrating Purim soon. And Purim is a month of, the, of all of the hidden miracles of God. And then we're going to go into the month of Nisan, and we're going to celebrate the open miracles of God. But it all begins with the month of Adar. It all begins with going deep into our emotions and saying, okay, we've been through a lot of struggle during these winter times. Remember, winter doesn't only mean the last couple of months when it was snowing outside. Winter means the times in our life that we're going through difficulty, we're going through challenges. And to realize when we're coming closer to the end that now it's time to take stock of our emotions. How are we feeling? Let's put it all out. Let's really be in tune to our inner world and touch with our inner world. And once we figure that out, slowly we'll be able to rebuild and find that true simcha, that true happiness, that true joy. So we should merit in the month of Adar to really work on our emotions, to rebuild ourselves from the inside out. I'm excited to share with you a whole bunch of interviews coming up over the next few weeks where we're going to get into all sorts of really cool stuff. You're going to love our guests coming up. It's really, really exciting. Um, but at least for now, I wish you all a Chodesh Tov, a good month, a month filled with joy, a month filled with growth. And may, may we tap into all of the beautiful and powerful energy of the month of Adar. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to RabbiShlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.